are unbatting, baby. One episode at a time. I'm Dana Pereira. And I'm Jessica Presley. We are two sisters. On two very different paths. Exploring what it means to unbad. What about that inner critic in your head? We're unbatting it. How about the social pressure to make everything appear perfect? We're unbatting it. We're unbatting all the things every Thursday. Join the journey wherever you get your podcasts and YouTube. Let's get to unbatting, baby. We're unbatting. Alicia Lockhart. And I'm LaDonna Humphrey. Welcome to Deep Dark Secrets, the podcast that shines a light in some very dark places. Today, we have a very special episode for you. We're going to discuss a death fetish producer who was slapped with an obscenity charge in 2000. Donald Smith and his brother William Smith of Ontario, Canada, have had a lengthy court battle regarding their death fetish production company, Perfect Shots Video Production. PerfectShotsVideo.com advertises itself with these tags. Fantasy horror films and fake snuff films, free snuff videos, sick videos, older women, and mature babes. Just some really disgusting stuff. That's kind of a weird angle. A lot of these death fetish producers are tagging their videos with teen death and things like that, which is super disturbing. So it's interesting to see a company here who is marketing killing older women. I thought that was interesting because we do see typically it's younger stuff. It's just, it's all pretty disgusting. None of it is good. But I'm happy to report that on October 13th, 2000, the pair was charged with the offense of making obscene material depicting sex and violence. And on the same day, the Winnipeg police in the company of Officer Scott Gobiel of Fort Francis held a news conference to announce that they had, quote-unquote, cracked Winnipeg's first internet case. This case was a highly reported-on story, and it was very sensational and unique for its time, as you can imagine. Yeah, so we're like back in the 2000s, and this had not really happened before in Canada. So it was big, big news. And we're actually looking at the news article. We have a copy of it, and the headline was Pair Charged for Fake Snuff Porn. Police shut down simulated death video site. Canadian law can't touch similar U.S. outlet. So what they're meaning by that is that in their investigation, they did find another website that was like Don's website, but because it was being operated in the U.S., they couldn't do anything about it. The news article is quite long, but there are some snippets that I wanted to share here. Part of it says the digitally enhanced videos portray women being strangled or shot to death with bullets or arrows according to the police. 
Harrison said, to us, they appear real enough to give a good strong indication that people are actually being killed. So I think that's an incredible statement by a police officer. Yes, it is. That needs to be on our website, I think. Anyone that visits needs to be able to see that. That is really, really important. Yeah, for sure. Because that's what we've been saying the whole time. Like these videos, some of them look really real and we're concerned that there could be women being killed. And it's worth an investigation into pretty much every one of these producers we need to know. And I hope that we can make that happen over time. But with this particular case, they really got into the details of their website. And the news article says that there was an automatic tracker on Dr. Dawn's website showing that it was getting 200 visits a day and about 500 paid members from around the globe were earning the website about $5,000 a month. So you have to think this is back in 2000, so that's worth more then than it is now. Yeah, that was some pretty good money back in 2000. I'm sure that Don and his brother were just ecstatic to be making that kind of money off of this paid membership website, but they got popped because in Canada, there are obscenity laws. And when the police found their website, they really felt like they were breaking those laws. The content was horrific to them. It looked real. Another quote here says, the video clips included snuff style videos that concluded with the female performer being put to death. And that was a quote by Bob Johnson, who worked for the Winnipeg Police Department. So they pretty much felt the same way that we do about death fetish. And I think that that's incredibly interesting. And I hope the fetishers that follow our podcast are paying attention. I think what happened is, or what is happening rather, is that there's not enough discussion about death fetish and the cases that have happened have been few and far between and nobody has connected the dots and they're standing up and saying no more waving this red flag and saying this has happened you know this is happening women are being killed these men are glorifying murder and i think this podcast is us standing up connecting the dots and waving this flag and saying hey this is happening wake up and this is what people really think about it that are experts, you know, police, judges, psychologists, all the people. So I think that this is incredibly important work because it's not being done. I think so, too. And I believe that this should be the response by law enforcement. They should look at this type of website, this kind of footage, and they should want to know if the women in the videos are alive and well. They should want to do that investigative work. I absolutely agree. Well, let me set the stage of how all this started. It began when a neighbor of Donald Smith's called in a tip about the website perfectshotsvideo.com. The website was a paid membership site, as you mentioned, and users would pay $30 for a 90-day subscription. Once you paid your money, you would then have access to the photo sets, videos, and forums, and the erotic stories on the site, all of which were of death fetish nature. It was just all death fetishy, as we like to call it. Unsurprisingly, Donald Smith, or Dr. Don, as he went by in the death fetish community, specialized in gunshot wound fetish videos for the death fetish predators. I think that's nasty. All the producers have their angle. 
When we research these videos, you'll get a producer and all they make is drowning videos or all they make is strangling videos. So Donald Smith was really into the gunshot wounds and he was catering to that audience, which is sadly quite a few of the death fetishers are into the gunshots. So gross. And his videos are close-up footage of nude women being shot point-blank by men. And there were replays of the bullets going in and out of these women over and over again. And it was just awful. The replays of the gunshots are in slow motion three or four times. And some of the videos even do this like x-ray thing to show the women's intestines and where the bullet would be going through internally. I mean, that's sick. That is so depraved. It and is. It's, it's really hard to watch. I did watch a few of them when we were researching and I was just like, this is excessive. When I watched it, it made me think about this user named Nightfall that runs a website called Cinemorg. And his whole site is just him cutting out the death scenes of various action and horror movies. And he posts them up on the website so that people can just replay that short death scene over and over and over again. And that's what Donald Smith's footage reminded me of. You can tell the person is just sitting there watching it and that's what they want. They want to watch somebody getting hurt over and over and over again. They want to see inside her body and see her organs getting punctured. It's disgusting. It's gross and it's hard to stomach the fact that men are purchasing these films because it sexually arouses them and they can masturbate to these movies. I mean, it's it's gross. I just want that to kind of sink in to the listeners. I mean, these are violent, violent wound fetish videos. And I, I don't know. I can't even, I can't imagine anybody being sexually aroused by that. But there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of men who are. Perfectshotsvideo.com thankfully has closed up shop. So the website is defunct. But if you have an iron stomach and want to see what we're talking about, you can still catch a glimpse of it if you use the Wayback Machine. Yeah, you can just go on there and type perfectshotsvideo.com. This is gross to say, but there are pirated copies of Dr. Dawn's videos as well on motherless.com. And obviously, we don't want you to have to see them, but... If you're at all questioning what we're talking about and you want to see for yourself, I'm that kind of person. Sometimes I need to see something to believe it or to understand it fully. And so I am that kind of person that I would go look at it and be like, oh, wow, these women aren't joking. This is really a thing. So if you're (laughs) one of those kinds of listeners, you can find these things that we're talking about. You can see these were really created and they were really bought and sold and popular. You can see the comments that people leave on them. It's insane. Well, and I would just add a disclaimer for those that are curious. Just remember, these are things that you'll never be able to unsee if you go take a look. That's true. And you should also know the laws where you live because some states you could be in trouble for accessing. I just caution you to think long and hard about it. And I also want to mention too that so many of the fetishers, they excuse these type of websites by saying that it's no different than a horror and action movie. And they actually say things like those podcasters, and they're talking about Alicia and I, don't know what they're talking about. What are they going to do next? Go after horror and action movies? No, there is a big difference between the two. Or they'll say, it's not 
any worse than a Disney film. I'm sorry. An up-close and personal view of a gunshot wound is not the same as a Disney film. I mean, these films are built around the premise of sex and death. Some of them just around death, but mostly it's sex and death. So they're very crude movies that the entire theme is built around horrific murders. That's so much different than an action or a horror flick that we would go to the movie theater and watch. Yes, there's death sometimes in those movies, but there's usually a plot that goes around with it. And the filmmaker is not focusing in specifically on the gunshot wounds or the decapitation or or the death itself. Yeah, for these death fetishers, that's all they care about in a movie. Like the whole rest of the movie doesn't exist to them. They just want to rewind the 10 seconds where a woman took a bullet to the chest. Yeah, there's a big difference. People in the death fetish forums actually praise Dr. Don for his bullet special effects. I mean, everybody just talks about how great it was. I myself have seen people really praising Dr. Don. And even some mainstream film producers have praised him. In fact, during his trial, a more mainstream producer, and I'm not sure if I'm saying his name exactly correct, but I believe it's Peter J. Sloan, wrote a letter in Donald's defense. And Peter had produced films such as Psycho Sisters, in 1998, The Erotic Mirror in 2002, a movie called Sculpture, a movie called Creepy Clowns. Let's see, what else did he produce? Chad's Dental Nightmare. That one sounds kind of humorous to me. I'm afraid of the dentist, so I got to chuckle at seeing that. That would be a horror movie up your alley. You're like, oh, it would. dentist. How scary. Yes, that. that's awful. He produced The Killer Clown meets The Candyman and The Cannibal Killer the real story of Jeffrey Dahmer. So we know that Peter had no issue with death fetish films. He was clearly a fetisher, in my opinion. Look at the movies that he was producing. I'm just going to say, he outed himself as a death fetish sympathizer. Good to know, Peter. Maybe we'll do a little episode on you next. Yeah, in the very least, he's a sympathizer, but very easily could be a fetisher. When you were saying that, like, the last movie he made was The Cannibal Killer, I was like, oh, that seems pretty fetishy. He's definitely into these topics, and that makes sense that he's parading around as basically just a horror film producer. But he felt like he needed to write a letter to defend Donald Smith and try to get him out of obscenity charges. And we do have a copy of the letter. We're going to post it when this episode airs. We'll post it on our Facebook or our Instagram, probably both. And so you can read it and see what Peter had to say about Donald and his work. And and you can decide for yourself about what you think about Mr. Peter. I imagine there's probably death fetish predators hiding in plain sight everywhere. Probably some very high power people are into this stuff and we will expose them as we find them. We're coming for you guys. But it seems like this letter didn't help much because the trial came to a close and Donald Smith was sentenced to three years probation, a three years ban of using the internet at all, And he also had to forfeit the copyrights and domain names of his websites. And he was charged with a $100,000 fine, and they gave him three years to pay it. He was not doing so hot after this first trial. He was actually unable to pay that fine, 
And so he did have to serve 1,920 days in jail instead of paying the fine. I wonder how they calculated how much jail time he would get since he couldn't pay the fine. Yeah, that part's interesting to me, too. I hadn't really thought too deeply about that, but I guess that can happen if you're not able to pay a hefty fine. You can serve time instead. And that's what he had to do. I guess he wasn't in the financial place to take care of that in the three years. After that, he also served 32 months of probation. So his entire family had to live without internet access in their home during that time. He was actually sentenced to a few more months of probation than that, but he was appealing his case multiple times, and he even had another trial. So his defense team, the angles that they were playing, they had cited challenges to the warrants that they used. They felt that there was an unreasonable search and seizure. They felt there was lack of evidence. They challenged the vagueness of the charge. And they argued that the judge did not properly test for obscenity. They also argued that there was no distribution that had taken place in Ontario since it was distributed on a website. So they were just really looking for any angle that they could find. They played up multiple angles trying to get some sort of appeal for Donald Smith. They were just doing everything they could to help get this guy off. Were they fetishers too or just sympathizers? They were well-paid lawyers is what they were. (laughs) All right, fair enough. So most of these appeals were denied. I really enjoyed looking at all the appeal denials. It made me chuckle when I was doing the research. Sadly, in 2009, Donald Smith had luck shine upon him because... They were reviewing all the details of his case, and as some time went by, there was this situation in 2005 where the definition of obscenity was changed or clarified, and the clarification ended up working in his favor. But, of course, this didn't happen until five years after the charge, so he didn't know that this would happen, and lots of his appeals were just not working out for him. And then they thought, oh, maybe this is our angle. What had happened to the definition of obscenity and obscene material was that the definition was changed basically to say that it needed to be explicit sexual activity. So with this new clarification or definition, it didn't seem likely that the gunshot wound violence and the nudity in Dr. Don's films would be enough to call it explicit sexual activity. So he was able to have a new jury revisit the material that he had created, which was, like we said, these long, drawn-out videos of naked women getting pummeled with bullets and dying. And we obviously know, because he's selling it in these pornography markets, that the intention of the video is to sexually gratify somebody. That's their intention. The Court of Appeal ruled in Don's favor and overturned convictions on four counts. And all that remained was one count for distributing third-party written materials that involved death fetish fantasy about a minor. The fine for that was set at $2,000. That's it, $2,000. And the probation order was completely tossed out. By then, Don Smith had four months left of probation and his internet ban, so he had already served a lot of the time. 
His defense drove home this point. Smith's websites portrayed partially or totally naked women simulating extreme violence and death. The materials did not depict sexual acts. Clearly, it is not Don Smith who demonstrates a lack of respect for the judicial system. I find this a little bit appalling because you mentioned this before, and I think it's important to say it again. He created these films and his entire website and everything that he was doing for death fetishers so they could receive sexual gratification. So just because they did not show maybe sexual acts inside the films, they were still naked women. It was still very sexual with the violence and the death. And it was intended to create a scenario where these consumers were sexually gratified. I fail to see that his defense is correct and their depiction of what Dr. Don was doing. Well, this just goes to show that the wording of laws is so important. We can't hold people to certain laws if there's a way for them to get out of them with a loophole. Right. That's definitely a loophole. And that's one of the reasons why we are working so hard with this podcast and the things that we're doing to strengthen federal obscenity laws in the United States. We don't want scenarios like this to happen. If we can see a fetisher go to trial, we want those charges to stick and him to not be able to appeal and avoid the consequences of his actions. These men are glorifying the murder of young women for sexual gratification, and it has to stop. They will continue to use whatever loopholes they can. We've seen some producers have taken sex acts out of their videos so that they don't go to jail, but they're still marketing these videos as sex videos. It's plain to see when you look in these death fetish forums that these videos are being bought and sold as pornographies even if they don't have full-on sex in the videos. To the people buying them, these are sexy videos. That's exactly right. And I think it's interesting that you said that because just this past week, you found some information that Bluestone, I believe, had posted regarding his films and how he's going to be changing how he produces movies, correct? Yeah, he has this website that's super heroin villain death fetish where there's like superhero elements he has several websites that's one of his angles is to put a girl in a wonder woman costume and then kill her that way (laughs) it's ridiculous but he had just recently announced that he's revamping that site and that he's going to take out the fetish scenes he said the long drawn out fetishy scenes where he's strangling them he'll remove some of those now and i think that's really interesting i wonder why Why are you doing that, Bluestone? I have to wonder if he's feeling pressure because there is so many more eyes on the death fetish industry within the general public now than there ever has been before. And he's been called out. I mean, we know who Bluestone is. We've shared information about him on our podcast. He knows that we are deeply embedded in some of his online communities. And I have to wonder if any of that has played a part in his decision to back away from fetish. Yeah, it definitely could be a factor. And also, it's funny that he comes up as we're discussing this case because he lives in Canada as well. So he knows of this trial that Donald Smith went through. And he knows, hey, these are the laws in my area. He probably feels like he needs to be pretty careful with 
what he's putting in the videos, he has been quite careful to not include full-blown sex in the videos. He steers away from that, and I believe it is for this reason. I think Bluestone's been spooked, and I'm actually really proud of that because we want all of the death fetish producers to feel spooked and understand that any given time, Alicia and I will do whatever it takes to expose them and bring them to justice. And I really hope that that played a part in his decision. I hope it did too, because you look here at what Donald Smith went through. He deserved every bit of what he went through, but he had to fight tooth and nail. There were so many things that I read about regarding this case that I did not put in this episode because it just would have been way too long. But this was a lengthy, lengthy and expensive legal battle for Donald Smith. It was embarrassing for him and his entire family. They had to completely change their lifestyle and it cost them a lot of money to go through this battle. If he hadn't been financially well off, I don't think that he would have been able to get his appeal to work out for him. I don't think he would have gotten the charges overturned. You have to remember that this started in 2000 and it went on for years and years and years. I think the last time that anything happened with this case was in 2014. Even though the death fetish predators may be cheering and saying, woohoo, Donald Smith won. I'm sure it didn't feel like a win for Donald Smith. By his account, it probably ruined his life. He got out of the industry after this. He did not pop up another website and keep trucking along. He was very scared. Rightfully so. I mean, he had gone through a lot because of the decisions that he made. And I can't say that I'm sorry for Dr. Don, but I do think that he potentially learned a lesson. I'm not so sure that I believe he's completely done with the death fetish community, but I don't think he is stupid enough to have a death fetish website up. That's a good way of putting it. He's definitely not done in the community. I see him in there talking to people. So he's still a part of the community, but I will say the tone of his posts in the death fetish forums, he seems like a man with a broken spirit. And even though he quote unquote won this battle, I really just want to close this episode out with words straight from Donald Smith or Dr. Don, as his username is in the forums, because I found it fascinating to hear him talk to the other death fetish predators, the other death fetish producers about what was happening to him as it happened. You can see it. You can see from the beginning when the charges first came out through all the appeals, you can just watch him break down and you can watch how he becomes just not enthusiastic anymore about death fetish. And the tone of his posts makes me believe that he is not producing films anymore. He seems pretty downtrodden about that. But here's the quote that I found so interesting from him. So this is Donald Smith, and he's speaking directly to another death fetish producer inside the death fetish forums under his screen name, Dr. Don. And the producer that he's speaking to is John Marshall Washburn, who operates PKF Studios based in Oregon. Dr. Don says, if I can get prosecuted for making materials with only nudity and violence, 
despite the Supreme Court saying that it takes hardcore explicit sex before a prosecution should commence, then believe me, John Marshall, you can easily be prosecuted and a jury will have no sympathy for you when your films are shown in the courtroom and the prosecutor experts give their commentary scene by gruesome scene. Wow, that is powerful. Yeah, that's what I mean. When you hear him speaking about it, you can tell he knows that the law technically protects him, but you can tell that he also understands that most people are not going to sympathize with a death fetish producer, especially when their videos are shown in a courtroom. Most people will watch these videos and be appalled by them. And this just sparked an idea, Alicia. Just hearing you talk about this and reading that quote, it makes me think that we should take all of the information that we can on John Marshall Washburn. And I'm just thinking of him specifically right now because he is a prolific and horrific death fetish producer. His films are awful. And perhaps we package that up and send it to the prosecutor in the county in which he lives. That's not a bad idea because when you see it, like you said earlier, you cannot unsee these films. After you see them, you can't unsee them. And maybe that's how we get this done a little bit quicker in terms of seeing some changes and seeing charges filed. Because it is a horrific thing to watch. And maybe a prosecutor can take a look at it and say... I didn't realize this was going on in my community and I've got to do something about it. Maybe that is the way that we can make a difference and do it quickly. And if it works, we can thank Dr. Don himself because this quote is what inspired it. It's worth a shot at least. And we may send this in and they may correspond back with us and say, well, we can't charge him with anything because we have no obscenity laws here in Oregon. But that opens a conversation of like, well, don't you think there should be? Your laws currently allow this sort of thing to just be perfectly fine. I think that we're on to something and I want to explore that a little bit more. So let's meet very soon and let's make a plan. We're going to get them. We're going to get that death fetish capital of the world changed somehow. Just Oregon. Oregon is so welcoming for death fetish producers. I hate that. I don't want a place like that to exist where they can do whatever they want to women on film. That scares me so much. And if you're listening to this today and this bothers you too, it scares you to think of men doing these things to women on film. We need you to do us a favor and do women of the world a favor. And we need you to go to deepdarksecretspodcast.com and click on the advocacy tab up at the top of the page. You're going to scroll down about halfway through the page and you will see that there's a button to sign a petition. If you could do that for us, it would help us greatly as we forge on in our mission to try to alter obscenity laws federally and statewide. Please go sign that for us. It's something you can do anonymously, so you will not have any backlash from death fetish predators. We'll go ahead and take that on for you. But if you could do that for us, that would be so, so helpful to us and to all women, really. Absolutely. And thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope that you'll tune in again next Monday as we continue to expose the dangerous world of death fetish. Stay safe out there, friends, and remember, keep your lights on. 
For exclusive content from this episode and all other episodes, head on over to our Patreon, patreon.com backslash deep dark secrets. Sign up and you'll be able to see some visuals that accompany each episode.